in the wilderness. It's about Israel and about us. They were set free. They're on their way home, but they're in-betweeners. They're not enslaved anymore, but they're not home yet. They're in process. So are we. We've been set free. Those of us who know the Lord Jesus, he's a savior. No, he is the savior. We've been set free uh, from the penalty of our sin. And we know our destination and we know we're going to get there. He's going to bring us there. And we look forward to it. It's going to be a great day. Gives us great hope. The hope of our promised land. We call it heaven. But we're not there yet. We too are in our wilderness journey. And the real challenge for us is to navigate the waters just a little bit better than Israel did. They didn't do so hot in their wilderness wanderings. And they made an 11-day journey into a 40-day, a 40-year odyssey. Doesn't have to be that way. They made miscues, misdirections, missteps, wandered around for 40 years in circles because they didn't follow the manufacturer's manual. They didn't follow his directives. We could learn from Israel. We could do better than they did. And so now we're in Numbers chapter 1. Last week was just the introduction. Numbers chapter 1. It's kind of a complicated chapter, but it's rich. Here's what's happening. Israel had been delivered from bondage in Egypt about 13 months ago from this text. And now they're camping out. They've been set free. They've journeyed for a little while, but not too far. They've been on the road just for about a month. Most of it, they've been camping. They're camping in a desert, in the wilderness, at the foot of a place called Mount Sinai. They have to camp there because something has to happen. Their leader, Moses, has to go up to the mountain. God told them to. And he comes empty-handed, but he comes down with these tablets. They're unbelievable. They contain writings which reflect the very moral character of Almighty God. They're commandments. They're not suggestions. They're ten of them. And the world's laws all are embodied in these Ten Commandments. And so before they take one step further on their wilderness journey, on the way to their land of promise, God had to constitute them a nation. They were a slave people. Slave people don't know how to live free. Slave people need some help. Slave people don't know how to move forward together in organized fashion. Slave people have been mastered by cruel taskmasters. But now God would be this slave people's king. God would be Israel's king. They would be his people. But they were a disorganized band. They didn't know how to do it together. And no people group can deal with the challenges they would face in the wilderness journey if they did so in disorganized fashion. They had to be, or, had to be formed into a new nation. They had to be governed. There had to be a government. There had to be an organization. And so God said, I must give you laws by which to live before you set out one step further into the wilderness journey. And as if God is saying, I don't give you these laws to cramp your style. I give you these laws because I'm not only your king, I'm your dad, and I care how you live. You used to do your own thing. No longer. I watch. I care how you live. I want to do life together. And so God gives the laws to the nation of Israel here, uh, 13 months into their journey uh, at Mount Sinai. And now the text says this, finally, chapter 1, verse 1. Then the Lord spoke. I simply must stop there. What if he didn't? How are you going to make it through the journey? 
What if the Lord didn't speak? What if you were directionless? What if the Lord said, good luck? What if he gave no guidance? (laughs) Don't take lightly these words. Then the Lord spoke. We don't have to twist his arm to communicate. We don't have to squeeze his will out of him. He volunteers it. He's a God who wishes to be known. He's made himself knowable. He's a God who wishes for us to know his ways through the wilderness so that we could make it. Then the Lord spoke. Folks, the word of God pertains with relevance to the journey. You can't make it without the word of God. Neither can I. Read it. Obey it. You'll make it. Then the Lord spoke. The word of God would give direction to their journey. The word of God would ensure success in their journey. Then the Lord spoke to Moses. Ah. It's for all of us, but it came through one. That's how God did the Bible. He had select ones. Why did he choose them? Ask him someday. I have no idea. And God spoke his word to them. They enscripturated it for us. Wrote it down. It's called the Bible. They're called prophets in the old and apostles in the new. And I'm not one of them and neither are you. I read what they said. They're different than I am. I'm not Moses. God spoke to Mo- How do I know he did? In the book of Numbers, over 150 times, you will see this very thought that God spoke to and through Moses. Well, I don't feel slighted at all. I'm really thrilled to get in on it. I'm really thrilled that what God said to Moses for me has been preserved without error down to this very day. We're talking about 3,400 years ago, and I'm reading God's word through Moses to the Israelites first and to me later on and you. This is fantastic. Don't take it lightly. Then the Lord spoke to Moses in the wilderness. You bet you can meet God in the wilderness. You bet. In fact, he's probably more real in the wilderness than when things are going smooth and comfortable. And so the Lord spoke to Moses in the wilderness of Sinai in the tent of meeting, otherwise known as the tabernacle. It was a portable, movable shrine. It was a point of contact between people and God. And do you know throughout human history, God has always provided that point of contact. It was the tabernacle in the wilderness. It turned into the more permanent temple. And then, oh, the ultimate point of contact between God and man is the God-man, Jesus Christ. I love what it says in John chapter 1, verse 14, with reference to this Jesus. And the word, that's what he's called, became... Flesh and tented amongst us, tabernacled amongst us. This is just a foreshadowing, a foreshadowing. I don't know why people want to go back to the Old Testament. I I want to move through it. This is a foreshadowing of the fulfillment of what we find in the new. Jesus is the tabernacle. He is the point of contact between God and man. You cannot... Be in right relationship with God apart from him. You're left with speculation. No certainty. If Jesus is not your point of contact. He's the only mediator between God and man. 
Look no further. Anyway, they're supposed to meet with God in the tent of meeting here in the wilderness. And it says this was on the first of the second month, that is to say in their journey, in the second year after they had come out of the land of Egypt, saying, verse 2, take a census. (laughs) That is the first command in the entire book of Numbers. It's odd. Count people is what it says. Numbers. That's where it gets the name, numbers. Count them. I can think of a whole bunch of stuff that would be more likely first commands. But this is it. Take a census of all the congregation of the sons of Israel by their families, by their father's households, according to the number of names, every what gender? Yeah. Now, do not be mad at me. I'm just reading what God spoke and Moses wrote. If you have a problem with what is about to happen tonight, take it up with God. Male. Women and children counted, but they were not counted in this census. Why not? Because this census, as you will see, is a military muster. It's a military muster. The people counted would be those fit for warfare. Because it's war that they will encounter, as will we in the wilderness journey. Men would be needed to take the lead. Isn't that a politically incorrect statement in the sad day in which we live? But it is scripturally correct. Men would be needed to take the lead in providing direction and forward movement and protection. Men are the ones who are to take the lead in the wilderness journey. So God issued the command, number the men. And then it says, notice, head by head. You know what that means? It means every single man is important and has a God-given role to play. Every man is commissioned to lead out in the wilderness journey. Every man. From 20 years old and upward, whoever is able to go out to war in Israel, you and Aaron, Moses and Aaron, shall number them by their armies. God commanded this census for the purpose of preparation for war. This was a military enumeration. It was a military census. It was meant to identify those who could fight on Israel's behalf in taking the land of promise. And the first step in the journey to the promised land is to see who can best get us there. Our journey, ours in the wilderness, like ancient Israel's, also involves lots of conflict, ambush by the adversary, opposition by the world, assault by sin and temptation on every side. The Christian life, I don't want to ruin your evening, but the Christian life is spiritual warfare. And oh, for committed men willing to lead us home, to lead us home.
Verse 4, with you, moreover, there shall be a man of each tribe, each one head of his father's household. Israel, you see, was organized, you'll see, in their wilderness wanderings according to tribes. And there were 12 of them. They were the 12 sons of Jacob. And this commandment says one man from each of these 12 tribes was to be designated as the head of the tribe. And so God, through Moses, has recorded and preserved down to this very day the very names of these male leaders of each of the tribes. And that's what you get in verses 5 to 15. I I just want to show you verse 5. These then are the names of the men who shall stand with you. Of Reuben, so that's a tribe, Eliezer, the son of Shadur. And that's what you get for each of the 12 tribes till you get all the way through verse 15. Apparently, male leadership was so important that God, through Moses, specifically identified, designated, recorded, sustained, and preserved their names 3,400 years thus far so that you and I could read it. This is important stuff, right? But this is not an afterthought in the mind. This is God is saying, this is how you are going to make it through the wilderness journey. Now you get to verse 16. These are they who were called of the congregation. They're the leaders of the tribes. And Moses and Aaron took them who'd been designated by name. They assembled all the congregation on the first of the second month. And they registered by ancestry and their families, by their father's households, according to the number of names from 20 years old and upward, head by head, just as the Lord commanded Moses. And so he numbered them in the wilderness of Sinai. And so... After careful, diligent research of family records and uh, all the rest, qualified males, 20 years age, uh, of age and older, were singled out, were counted, and were expected to serve the community of faith. And the census record recorded here follows a pattern with the same words repeated for each of the tribes. And you see this in verses 20 to 43. Let me just show you verse 20 and 21. Now the sons of Reuben, that's a tribe, Israel's firstborn, their genealogical registration by their families, by their father's households, according to the number of names, head by head, every male from 20 years old and upward, whoever was able to, Go out to war. Their numbered men of the tribe of Reuben Reuben were 46,500. And you're going to see that for each of the 12 tribes. And I won't take your time to read through it. But that's what's happening in verses 20 to 43. You get an enumeration of qualified men who are fit for war in each of the 12 tribes. So that you get all the way through 43 verses. And baby, if you had time to read it, or we took the time, you would see a uh, phrase repeated with regard to each of the 12 tribes, and it's this. Whoever was able to go out to war. It does not say whoever wanted to go fishing, whoever wanted to golf, whoever wanted to sit on a couch and watch endless mind-numbing television. I didn't say these things are necessarily wrong, but I'm telling you, this is a call to battle. Why? It's been a great privilege, apparently, to be delivered from bondage. (laughs) But the privilege brings with it responsibility. So that now that these people have been delivered and saved and redeemed graciously by an almighty God, and now that he's told them they're on their way to the land of promise, 
they have, along with the great privilege of it all, an obligation to serve. Every man a minister. That's the biblical norm. Every Christian man a minister. No exception. Head by head. God numbers his army. Knows you by name. It's important. He has a purpose for you. Your daddy may have told you you're useless and will never amount to anything. Your heavenly daddy said that's a lie. There is a purpose for you. He redeemed you for a reason. Others need you to step out, step up and lead through the wilderness. And if you don't do it, we're not going to get there as quickly. Every man a minister. Now, verse 44 these are the ones who were numbered. And verse 40, 45, they were, they were numbered uh, from 20 years old and upward. Everyone who was able to go out to war. Verse 46, you have, you have the total amount. 603,550. There it is. That's the census in the book of numbers. 603,550. Now, folks, with women and children added on, it is estimated that the group of people in the wilderness journey onto their land of promise was probably about two and a half million. Between two and three million. Think about it. You got 600,000 men and add on wives and kids and all this kind of stuff. About two to three million people. Can you please tell me how a group that large is going to make it through the wilderness? Food. Water, land area to camp, <clears throat> grumbling, moaning, complaining. How's it going to be? How are millions going to be moved through the wilderness on the way to the land of promise? I'll tell you how. With the men in the lead, that's how. With the men in the lead, that's how. With the men in the lead. That's how. Each man counted. And that's why each man was counted. Men, you count. In God's census taking, you count. Each man stood up, came forward, got in line, and presented himself for service. Men, here this evening. Are you willing to stand up and be counted for the cause of Christ? I'd like to invite you to do that. If you're willing, men only, to stand up and be counted as an aspiring spiritual leader, rise to your feet with me. I'm willing to stand up. I'm not who I want to be. I've got to grow. So do you. But I'm willing. I hear the call. I hear the commission. I've been privileged to be redeemed. I'm obligated to serve. And by the way, that's what biblical leadership is. We don't tell people autocratically, dictatorially what to do. We don't tell our wives, I'm the man, you'll do it my way. Biblical leadership is taking the initiative in serving those who we love. The man. Christ Jesus served by offering his life.
That's what we do as men. We take the initiative in serving. So what I'd like for you men to do right now, it's a little uncomfortable for us, but we'll get over it. I was wondering if you could turn to your fellow comrade or two and pray for each other. We need it. And women, while these good men are doing it, can you be praying with one another for them? We need you to pray that we would be the godly man we're meant to be. Pray, pray, pray. It is a beautiful sound. Perhaps there's none more beautiful than to be in the company of men who are praying. Thank you for doing that. Thank you for stepping up. What about you ladies who are single or divorced, maybe single parent? What have I said? Has it... uh, does it shame you? Does it, does it make you feel left out? Now, I must clarify this. We're your men. This is your family. Let us lead you lovingly. Let us be the dads to your kids. Your kids don't have. That's what we do. We're not to lead by exploiting, by abusing, by overpowering, by forcing people to do things. That is not... Biblical leadership. We're to lead by serving. There's a men's ministry here. There are mentoring opportunities. Men meet together all the time. They pray. They grow. They weep. They cry. They disciple one another. Do you have a boy who needs a dad he doesn't have? We could help you. We could help you. We're your family. We're in this together. Whatever else has been true of you and you've gone through, you're not excluded. You're not a second-class citizen, a divorced person, a single mom. No, 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 no. We're your family. Let us be your family. The Bible uses family terms. He's our heavenly father. We are brothers and sisters. This is your family. You've come to the right place. You're not X-rated. You're not left out. You belong here. Not everyone here is a couple. But everyone who knows the Lord Jesus is married to Almighty God. He's our heavenly husband, whether we be male or female. We all look to him. And as we do, we'll help each other in the journey. You can't make it alone. It's true. Nobody here could. Don't you see? They had to meet at Mount Sinai. They had to get organized. They had to get ordered. They couldn't just take off on their own. You can't make it through the wilderness. Neither can I. We need each other. We are your family. We are your family. You're not, you're not left out. Um, Men, can you take a look at this uh, 
show you a photo on the screen here, which has a lot of meaning to me, and I want it to you as well. Um, the wonderful man in the hospital bed is Marty Walsh. And uh, many of you know him and love him. <clears throat> and uh, Marty uh, served his country as an officer in the Coast Guard for many years. And the young man standing up is my son. And when it came time for my son to uh, join the Army, he had to take, as many of you are familiar, in the uniformed services, what we call the oath of office. And it has to be administered by only certain people, qualified people. And uh, Captain Marty Walsh is qualified to, to do so. Served and uh, earned the respect and the authority to administer the oath of office. My son very much wanted him to do so because they have known each other for many years. And uh, at the time, this man... Uh, Captain Walsh was ill, physically weak, spiritually strong. Men, uh, the biblical model of manhood is not to go tough, it's to go gentle. Real men cry. So here was a man in a weakened condition who fulfilled the biblical standard. Of leading out. I'll serve you, Grant. Don't worry about me. Come to my bedside. That's a man who's going to help us get through the wilderness. Don't you see? That's a model of the man I wish to be. He loves his country. He loves his wife. He loves his church. And he leads out in it by finding his place of service. He's not here now. You know where he is? I assume Stella, he's back there. He serves in Awana. He loves the kids and the kids love him. A real man says... I'm privileged to have been redeemed and set free. And now I sense the obligation to serve. Every man a minister. Man, find your place of ministry. Do you have any idea how needed you are? Especially as we consider the next phase in the life of the church. That big old structure in the back. Which we hope the Lord uh, fills with people. How do you handle that group? It may not be two and a half million. I don't know. But it's still going to be a whole bunch of people. We've got to get them through the wilderness. How's that going to happen? Folks, man, you've got to step up to the plate now. You've got to step up now. You've got to say, oh, God, I'm here to serve. I'm here to serve. It's my obligation. I want to set the lead in my home, in my community, in my church by serving. Well, man, you're not... Maybe signing up for the military tonight, but I want to invite you to do something that's much more important than that. So now that you're plenty comfortable, could I ask you to stand to your feet still yet one more time? All the men, just the men, please stand to your feet. Ladies, thank you for bearing with us. We will show equal time down the road. But, but this is for men tonight, primarily. Men, if you're willing, 
to publicly declare your commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ, your devotion to him, the sheer and utter joy you have in being his kid. If you're willing to publicly declare tonight your extreme interest in being the godly leader he intends for you to be at home, in your workplace, in your community, and here. If you're willing to step up and be counted in a military muster, spiritual warfare, then I would like to ask you to take your right hand and place it over your heart. A symbol of how the Lord Jesus had filled your heart. A symbol of how your heart is open wide to him. You love him. And I would like you to repeat after me these words. I, state your name, do solemnly affirm before God and these witnesses that I will support, defend, and live by the holy word of God. I am called and commissioned to lead out in being living proof of a loving God to a watching world. I do solemnly declare that I willingly and voluntarily accept my God-given commission to lead my family, my community, my church, by serving for their good and God's glory. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. 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 Lord Jesus, we are ready. Equip us, prepare us. We're ready to go. We will help each other. We are ready to be on the march uh, for the cause of Christ, for your glory and for the good of your people. We are absolutely, overwhelmingly privileged and honored to be called and commissioned by you. Our personal histories notwithstanding, everything's new in Christ Jesus. Today is the first day of the rest of our lives. We will not be a spectator. We'll find our place of service. We'll take the lead in it. Thank you for these men. Lord Jesus, you know their hearts. You've given them gifts. You know their names. You fashioned and formed them according to a marvelous and unique design. And now I pray you would satisfy the stated desire of their heart to be useful in getting the rest of us through the wilderness journey. Thank you for each of them. Thank you for these ladies. Uh, We need their prayer. We need their prayer. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that they're praying for us. Uh, We believe you're pleased with these who have publicly declared their commitment to you and to serve us for your kingdom's sake. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.